0: Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the
1: most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is talking small business financing. Today's guest is from Austin Tech's-based OnRamp Funds. Before OnRamp, he helped to launch, scale, and successfully exit ShippingEasy, which was acquired by Stamps.com in 2016 for $55 million in cash. Today is widely regarded as the go-to source for early-stage e-commerce growth, specializing in small SMB lending, shipping, and raising capital. A big welcome to Eric Youngstrom. Hi, Eric.
2: Hi there. Thanks for having me today.
1: So we're excited to have you to discuss what many may or may not know about small business lending. How difficult can it be for a small business to get a loan for the purpose of this conversation? How do you define a small business?
2: Uh, Yeah, we, that's a lot lot loaded in there. We define a small business as uh, a company doing say less than probably 10 million in revenue. Uh, Some of our bigger clients are, are larger than that, but really, you know, any business that's just getting off the ground until they've kind of reached a, a point where, you know, banks are ready to look at their audited financials and, and start working directly with them.
1: And that's about 10 million before, yeah. a, before a bank.
2: Between, yep. Somewhere between five and 20 million in revenue and, and probably two to five years of, of actual business history.
1: Okay. So that is the difficulty right there is that yep. it's hard for them to get loans from banks.
2: That's right. But prior to that, their their banking relationships are based on their their personal borrowing capabilities or personal credit histories, um, and they're going to be personally liable. Right? They have a personal guarantee. It's it's not a loan to the business; it's a loan to the person. Um, and so it's you know it's not helping your business get off the ground. Right? Well, I guess the cash is there, but you're not actually building the business's credit profile at that point.
1: And so, when companies are looking for additional funding, what what are some of the common reasons that they are doing so?
2: Well, you know, gosh, that that spans the gamut. So there are, you know, you might look at equity financing, right? Cause you want somebody who's going to just help put money into the business to do everything. You might be looking for financing to, you know, buy, buy, buy a piece of equipment, right? So you do equipment financing like a truck or a forklift with a typical kind of, you know, five-year loan on it. You might be looking to buy a warehouse, right. With a, you know, a 10 to 30 year mortgage on that. Um, or, and this is where we specialize. You're going to be looking for short-term capital, right? Things to help purchase inventory, to keep turning inventory over, um, financing just to manage the cash conversion cycle as you uh, as you do as you run your sales turnover cycles uh, and your inventory ter- turnover cycles. So there's a there's a broad range of capital, and there's a there's a capital stack, and it's really critical that small business owners understand the different types of capital available to them, the the different. Um, providers that are working with and where each of them fit in that capital stack because we're all quite happy to work alongside one another um, but what we try to be very cautious of is that we're not working alongside a another lender who is providing the same funding on the same kind of terms because then you might be overextending yourself in that portion of your capital stack
1: now so there are different kind of lenders I mean the one that comes to my mind that you see advertised everywhere is cabbage yeah is that doing the same thing you guys are doing is it different?
2: Different, yeah. There, there. T- Cabbage is typically a, 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 you know, kind of a one-year or longer-term um, line of credit. Uh, it is going to be to the business uh, still. I believe. Um, I, I'm not going to say this with 100 percent confidence, but I believe still personally guaranteed. Um, uh, it's an it's an American Express product. Um, it's a good product, uh, and it's good for a, kind of a longer-term horizon, right? Like if if you wanted to go buy, say, equipment for your warehouse for fulfillment operations, right? Like uh, a conveyor belt of, you know, maybe a small conveyor belt costs, you know, $15,000. Um, something like that, right, would be great for Cabbage because you'll pay it off over 12, 12 to 24 months, um, you know, nice, easy monthly payments, that kind of thing. Um, whereas what, what we do, right, are our loans that are typically going to be more kind of 60 to, to, you know, two months to six months where um, we're coming in and, and a merchant says, hey, I just need enough capital to drive my advertising and shipping, shipping and fulfillment spend, or I'm buying next quarter's inventory. And so they'll borrow from us. They'll go complete that inventory purchase. The inventory gets in and then, you know, it's going to sell ninety days within 90 days of that arrival date. Um, and then they'll come back to us and say, hey, now I need the follow-on quarters inventory and, and just rinse and repeat. Um, and so because of that, right, we just operate differently, much more aligned with the business cycles of the business. And then because we're a data-driven underwriting engine where we're actually looking at the sales history and performance from you know, our merchants, Amazon store, from their Shopify stores, Big Commerce, wherever they sell, um, we're able to give uh, a much better offer, much more specific to the needs of the business than what traditional um, lenders in our space would do under an old retail model where there was very little digital visibility and there was a lot more risk.
1: Now, really the purpose isn't so you don't have as a business owner, you don't have to personally guarantee the loan. Instead, it's it's looking at your business. So you're not risking risking your house to, to get more inventory.
2: That's right, that's right. Now, we, we do work with some businesses where we will request a personal guarantee just because of some of the risk profiles um, but I'd say 95% of who we work with, we, we're actually, our goal with this is to help small businesses be, and, and to treat them like they're real businesses. So if you think about you know, software providers who typically sell into the, the small, medium business segment, they are almost treated like consumer products, right? Where there's, there's no phone number, there's no help. If, if there is help, it's, a, it's a, you know, an FAQ or maybe a forum someplace um, but you're not getting that kind of expert hands-on guidance. We actually want these businesses to be treated like like if they were an enterprise business where we take the phone call, our phone number's on every page of the app. If you have questions about how to use different sources of financing, we help provide guidance there. If you're looking for support on, hey, I'm, I, I'm using your funds to drive marketing, but I'm maybe not happy with my agency. You have a bunch of agency partners. Is there, is there one you'd recommend And will then help find the right agency for that client based on the vertical they're in, the products they are selling, um, you know, kind of the challenges they're facing. Um, and so what we've really built here is a solution very much like we did at Shipping Easy, which is, is a white glove concierge tri- treatment um, of of our clients so that we're not just uh, a credit card um, or a bag of cash, if you will, what we really are are financial advisors. And we're trying to provide a, a service that that maps in the use of funds in a way that a CFO would if that business were, were big enough to actually start hiring that CFO to come in and do that work for them.
1: So what are some of the things that a small business needs to be able to get a loan without personally guaranteeing it?
2: For on ramp, but what you need is to be able to connect your um, your Amazon store, your Shopify store. Um, you'll need a you'll need at least kind of six months worth of sales history. Although we do have a program for newer sellers, um, and then for, you're going to need to have a sales history that that is sufficient enough that we can actually build a forecast on to really understand your sales turnover and inventory turnover cycles, um, because that's how you know that's how working capital works, right? It's about really funding the working operations of the business for the next. Call it ninety days, um, and then rinsing and repeating that process over and over again four or five times a year, um, or you know some cycles might be a little longer, two or three times a year. Um, and so we really sit down and fill in that portion of the capital stack. But the connection's simple, right? It's it's two minutes to enroll you, you know, create a username and password, give us a a few bits of demographic data, connect your store. Uh, and at that point, then we'll actually start doing all the, the underwriting and assessments and tell you what we can offer you. Um, and then, you know, if that's of interest then you can come in and give us the rest of your data around, you know, you know, the business banking credentials and, uh, connect your bank via Plaid, you know, other things that are super easy to do, but then let us finish the underwriting, um, We'll you know we pull a business credit check but we want to make sure that the business is in good standing and things like that, uh, and then assuming all those things check, then um, we can make the offer and fund so you know from a from a user's perspective, there's ten to twenty minutes worth of work uh, and then really the work's on us, and we do it for them, and then we go back and and tell them what we can do and then try to customize the offer for what their specific business needs are
1: and how do those short term Non-personalized or not, not personal guaranteed, I guess, interest rates compared to loans that are personally guaranteed.
2: Um, I, I don't think it's the personal guarantee that changed the rate. I think the when most people think about interest rates, right? The, unfortunately, the first thing they do is compare to a thirty-year home mortgage. Right. Um, and what people don't understand is that's a very different product with a very different risk profile. That home can't be moved, right? It's in a physical spot. And and in a lot of places, right, the land value is, is probably worth more than the construction value of the house. Um, and so because of that, right, a lender then has the ability to say, hey, you haven't paid the mortgage, we're going to take possession, foreclose, and, and go sell that so they can close their position out. With, you know, business lending, right, you're actually talking about something that's far more ephemeral. Um, the assets of the business are their reputation, right? They're their customer list, right? Their ability to get inventory in, make sure that there's always inventory to sell, you know, service a customer demand when it comes in, you know, processing the order, getting it shipped to the customer on time, right? And then that product actually meeting the customer's expectations. Um, and so because of that, right, businesses have different risk profiles. So it, it's really an apples to oranges comparison uh, mm-hmm. when you think about a, a mortgage loan to a small business loan. Um, now, if you think about it from a consumer credit card perspective, consumer credit card rates are 25% and, and with you know, current inflation and Fed funds rate probably going up pretty quickly. Um, and so in those regards, right, we're, we're certainly not cheap capital, um, but you know, we're, we're aligned with those kind of business expectations. The thing that we try to do though is help people understand that if you think about your working capital needs for the year and borrow a year's worth of working capital up front, You're actually paying interest and fees on money that you can't deploy for 90 days and then 180 days and then 270 days later because those are funds you deploy on a quarterly basis. And so what we're actually trying to help our customers understand and providing capital under this premise is that take what you need for the next 30 to 90 days and then come get more 30 to 90 days later. And rinse and repeat because now what you've done is actually reduced the outstanding balance, which means you're not paying interest on funds you, you're not ready to deploy yet, and it means when you need that next round of funding, it's there. And so if you look at you know a product like Amazon.com, you know, excuse me, Amazon's lending product, mm-hmm. you know th- those rates, the introductory rates are typically you know kind of six to ten percent, but what they try to do then is get you to roll over in five to six months. And what happens is then you move to a 15%, then to a 20, then to a 25% APR, and they're giving you a year's worth of funds. But if you spend all those funds in the first quarter and you haven't finished paying back because it's, a, it's an even payment cycle every month for 12 months, what do you do to finance next quarter's inventory? You don't have the money anymore. Um, and so maybe now you've generated even more demand. And now you got to go back to Amazon and hope that they make you an an invitation to borrow more. But now that invitation is going to come with that higher interest rate. And so, you know, our premise is use the, you know, draw the funds you need today, turn it over quickly and then, and pay it down quickly so that you can draw more. Um, and that you're really using this as a really highly optimized line of credit that then solves that cash conversion cycle for the merchant.
1: So there's a lot in there.
2: Yeah. Does the
1: interest rate that you offer range a lot depending on the risk profile of the company?
2: Yes, on the risk profile and then the turnover cycles um, uh, and, and then the amounts. Yeah, so we, we structure all of that in. Now, we're not an interest-based product. But to be clear, we're a, we're a fee-based product. Um, and so what we do is actually take a small percentage of the total sales volume while our loan is outstanding, typically somewhere between one and two percent, depending on the oh, amount got it. Of, yeah, got it. so you're the, taking of
1: uh, you're taking a percentage of the the gross sales that's correct, and that depends on the amount that's being borrowed,
2: yes. Yeah, so if you think about the next ninety days gross sales, if you borrow, say fifteen percent of that, your fee is going to be roughly one percent. If you borrow thirty percent of that next ninety day sales, your fee is going to be closer to two percent. Um, and so what we're trying to do, right, is is structure this in a way that's very simple for the merchant to understand, right? Because all of these business owners think about running their businesses in terms of um, not just top dollar, right, but the percent gross margin, percent net margin, percent profit margin. Um, and so if we can go in and price it that way and a merchant says, hey, I've got a, a 12% net profit margin, but it's all captured in that working capital inventory cash conversion cycle and on ramps willing to come and say, I'll give you 15% of your next 90 days revenue, which is Mm -hmm. more than the 12% profit. Mm -hmm. And for that, we're going to charge a 1% fee. The merchant can quickly say, well, hold on. I, I, I have a 12% profit margin. I can't get that 12% out with this 15%. I'm getting my profit out, but now I'm going to have an 11% profit margin net of the help from on ramp. But, if I want to put my own money back in now, I don't have 15% to drive the business. I've got 26. Cause I have that 11%. Um, and so how much faster can I grow? So really that's where we're structuring it. Right. We think it's a really simple product for the merchant to, to do a just quick, you know, back of the envelope calculation in their mind that says, Hey, is, is this a value to me or not? Versus how long am I going to hold this? What's the compounding of the interest um, are there fees and penalties that all of a sudden mean that you know that that cost is actually more than I anticipated? So the implied interest rate just went higher. Um, and because our payment process is you pay a percentage of sales to pay the principal down, well, if your sales slow down, your payments slow down. Mm-hmm. If your sales accelerate, your payments accelerate. But that means you know if sales are slowing down, you actually probably don't need to buy inventory sooner. You're going to have more time for that. So you've also got more time to pay us down. If sales are accelerating. You're going to need more inventory sooner, but that means you've actually cleared your current position, which means you're eligible to get more cash sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what we're trying to do is make sure that the way you borrow with Onramp means that Onramp's always there when it's time for that next big expense, and that you have the ability to draw from us to go get to that to, to that to get that next expense, that next inventory purchase in. So you always have inventory in stock to keep turning over and keep generating demand and keep responding to that demand
1: now you made another interesting point where compared to a mortgage where it's it's a fixed asset it's not moving small businesses you know unfortunately can come and go yep what happens if a borrower is unable to pay back are you sending guido to break thumbs what what's going on
2: we don't break thumbs um <laughs> um look if the business goes under, that's the risk we're taking, and we're underwriting for that, right? We're we're looking to understand that, and we know that there will be businesses that just don't succeed, and that won't be able to pay us back. Um, you know, we're certainly disappointed when that happens, and and you know, for two reasons: one, because I don't want to see any business fail, and then two, because you know, we 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 put cash out that we're not collecting, but that's risk, and we price for that risk. Now there are there are instances where customers don't pay back, and and it's not because the business isn't performing; it's because they've decided not to pay. And you know when that happens, then we have collections agencies to work with, and um you know we pursue you know the appropriate legal avenues. But you know those are all just the above board things that you know that the fifty states support. Um, we're fully compliant with all the laws and how we do things, and. Really are so not breaking thumbs, not breaking thumbs, not and breaking we, thumbs.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> and our objective is,
2: our objective is, look, we we understand when businesses slow down. Like I have, I have clients right now where, you, you know, they've had reserve problems or return problems where we've actually gone and say, Hey, great, we're going to do just a very, very small kind of weekly payment because it, it demonstrates that so they're you'll, you'll work. You'll work with them
1: to try to
2: get them to the other side. Right. So that they're operating a capacity again, because I think that's going to create a great long-term partnership between the two of us, and then we also know that that businesses fail. Now we're underwriting for that, and we see it happening. So long as you're paying through that to the point where it just stops, then you know that's something we just have to write off. And you know we built a model around understanding you know what that write-off percentage is going to look like, and and making sure that we can lend appropriately and do that, and still build a really good business and and help great businesses understanding that you know business is a high risk thing.
1: Now, there's been a lot of news recently about the economy entering into a recession or, or possibly entering into a recession, depending on who you speak to. But given that, if you had a magic ball, where would you see small business loans going over the next 12 to 18 months? And, and is there going to be more risk for you guys to loan? I mean, are the the rates going to have to go up because there is going to be more risk? What do you see coming?
2: Yeah, so I would argue we're already in a recession, although I will say it's a very, very strange recession. Um, you know, the, the historic kind of indicator is two, two, two successive quarters of, of negative GDP growth, which we've had. But it, there's also an employment and an unemployment factor, which we haven't seen. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of nuance in that. And, and I think it's fair that, you know, different people have different opinions of it. Um, I do think, though, it's going to get worse. Um, and, you know, we are prepared for that. Uh, I I also know that great businesses are built in recessions and started in recessions. Um, you know, Slack and Uber were both started in 2009, right? In in what was an economic meltdown at that point in time. So, um, you know, it, 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 I think recessions are actually interesting environments to build businesses because it gets because the requirements are are so back to just basics that you have to do. Everything right. And you're so focused on making very smart decisions and really tracking KPIs, um, tracking your metrics, you know, doubling down where things are working, being very careful about testing new things and making sure that you're seeing early results before before throwing money at things that um, it actually really hones the business owner. Um, And then when, as we come out of recession, right, those, those people that really hone their skills, they're very well poised to go grow their business. So, you know, the question around the the risk profile of the next 12 to 18 months. Yes. I think, I think it increases. Um, We're certainly monitoring that. I think that the nice thing about an on-ramp and this is good for us and it's good for our merchant is because of the, the velocity, right. That we're turning these loans over every, Let's call it 90 days. Um, The likelihood of failure in the next 90 days, no matter how bad things get, is always very small, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's the longer term. And so if you take from us today and and we see the business declines by 50% over the next 90 days and it actually then takes you 150 days to repay, well, that's okay. Um, we're still working with you. And because we don't have a fixed payment schedule, you're not you know, up against a wall saying, hold on, how do I make that next $5,000 payment right. when, I, when I only generated enough to, to pay $500? Um, and so I think that alignment and, be, and that speed means that we're able to help merchants in a way that other creditors can't because they're actually looking at a longer term horizon where that risk of failure is much higher, especially mm-hmm. in a recessionary environment.
1: Now, what would be a piece of actionable advice you would give a business owner thinking about applying for a small business loan, whether with you or or with someone else?
2: Understand what the loan is for. Um, So it's it's funny, a dollar is a dollar. It does anything, right? Or anything that it's legally allowed to do. And and I guess sometimes illegally (laughs) allowed to do. Um, But who you borrow from, Actually determines what it really needs to be used for. So, you know, if you if you take money from a mortgage lender, you know, for a warehouse, and for whatever reason, then spend it on inventory, you've got a big problem because there's no warehouse, right? And and you you now don't have the money to go make those payments. So that would be a misuse of funds, right? That would actually be fraud. And I don't, I'm not suggesting people do that. um You know, if you're going to borrow from Onramp, you want to borrow for the working capital activities that drive sales and inventory turnover. You, you might then go say, Hey, I want to use Amazon because it's a one year loan and I want to buy a forklift. And I was, I want to make payments over the next nine months to pay that thing off. That's a great thing. We, we actually work alongside that very, very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might then say, Hey, I need to buy a Toyota pickup truck to run the business. And I'm going to go get a, a loan, you know, from Toyota finance or my local bank. We see that we operate alongside that. That's actually not a problem. But it's because the merchants actually are, are being smart about how they use funds, and you know, on those payment terms where they're deploying those funds, because then it's really optimized. So I think the the mistake that we see people doing far too often is is taking um, a line of credit that's optimized, say for that two year cycle, but using it for a for a ninety day process, and then not having the ability to pay it down when they need more. Um, and so it's it's really just being. Uh, aware of and and thinking through how you're using capital and then being very clear about th- that getting the use of capital from the people who are optimized for that use um so that you're not mixing and matching in in in, in a way that actually puts you in a bad spot
1: now before on ramp you were with shipping easy and that was bought out by stamps.com for 55 million now that that's the dream of many startups. You start a company, it gets bought out by a huge sum. Can you tell us a bit more about that ride of, of growing a company and ultimately having it sold?
2: Sure. Yeah, it was, it was a great ride. It, it, I, I was um, recruited by the CEO to be the first member of her executive team when the company was launched. Um, this, is, this was the, I guess, kind of fourth startup that I worked in. It was the third in a row where I was kind of one of the first, you know, well, one of the first two or three hires. Um, And so I came on uh, with Katie and, you know, really started looking at strategy and business development and partnerships. Um, But in those early stages, right. Also took customer support calls and did anything that needed to Mm -hmm. be done to help grow the business. Um, We had a great SaaS software business. We were able to layer in um, uh, really kind of shipping label monetization um, that gave us, you know, a, you know, not a business with a single revenue stream, but with multiple revenue streams. And we were one of the first to do that. And that made us really a compelling target um, from stamps.com. And they came in and purchased us. They actually did, you know, they did a roll up really of a number of different properties, shipping easy, ship station, ship works. Um, And so, you know, we then joined a portfolio of companies that had been, you know, interesting enough competitors um, prior. And, you know, and then that company built and grew bigger and actually was taken private by private equity about a year ago. Um, and, you know, they've rebranded to Octane now and they're building just a really cool set of tools over there to help the broader e-commerce industry um, in the back office. So um, I'm really proud of what we built. I'm, I'm proud of the people I got to work with, um, I have great relationships and, and really admire what they're, they're building today.
1: Hey, what's up there? This is Andy. I wanted to take a quick break from the show and talk to you for just one minute. You probably know that I've been called the world's foremost expert in e-commerce growth strategies. But have you ever wondered how I gained all this knowledge? First, you probably guessed it. It's through all the years of interviews I've done with experts and uber successful throughout the e-commerce space right here on the Make Each Click Count podcast And second, it's through all the courses that are available at Make Each Click Count University. From Facebook to Google Ads, to Pinterest, to SEO, if you are looking to grow your business by either adding a new marketing channel or by optimizing existing marketing channel like an expert, go to www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com forward slash classes. There you will find a course that will help you become an expert in whatever marketing channel you currently need help. Better yet, Choose more than one. Join Make Each Click Count University and join me and other marketing professionals live once a month at our monthly marketing members only meeting. Again, you can view all courses at www. forward slash classes. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, personally, have there been any business books out there that you can attribute to, to your journey as an entrepreneur?
2: Oh, no, uh, not business, but well, no, not business books. I've I've I don't I think both most business books should be pamphlets. <laughs> um, you know, that they're probably 20 pages of material and then the next 280 are just filler examples to try to make it a book. Um, um I, I but from but I do love to read, and so that I th- I think books that make me a better entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I've I've read, uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank on it? Um the the Peloponnesian War um Thucydides I, I just think reading as much as you can right reading the business press reading books reading you know I'm reading Peter Zehan these days uh the beginning of the end or the, the end of the world is just beginning uh on geopolitics and and geography and demographics um you know I think you know I've I've read a lot on the you know the history of finance and you know the rise of JP Morgan and and things like that that I think are really compelling I think understanding you know, Greek and Roman history, because of the, you know, the, the Romans collapsed because of currency debasement over time, right? I mean, one, they stopped being a republic and then became an empire and, um, and then emperors debased currency, but that had a huge impact on their ability to, you know, to continue to defend themselves. Um, so, you know, I, I think just being well read, right, helps you to connect dots, um, even reading fiction, right, you know, to, to see the fictional character connecting kind of multiple dots, and all of a sudden, you know that that can drive insights into your own mind. I think you know it's just important to be well read, and and you know it's something I do every day. I fall asleep reading books every night. That's, that's how I go to bed.
1: Now, tell us a bit more about On Ramp. When did On Ramp start, and and what was the need that you saw in the market that that made you start this company?
2: Yeah, so I you know at Shipping Easy and at Stamps, we actually saw the working capital challenge. Uh, We saw people who needed to get shipments out who were out of cash and couldn't pay for the next label. And what's really sad about that, right, is there's a known good order that has cleared payment processing. But because of payment timelines, right, you get an order today, the deposit's not going to show up for three or four days. And if you're out of cash right now, you can't generate the shipping label to hand that order to the carrier to get it from your warehouse to your customer. and so and then that would mean that you would actually maybe have a customer that would say well great if it's not going to ship on time cancel the order refund my money and now you've paid credit card processing fees to take the order and to refund the order to get nothing for it um, and so you know at that shipping easy we had about 30 35,000 customers when we were acquired at stamps we know we were supporting hundreds of thousands and so this was this this was not an unusual thing to see um, and so i really started kind of exploring what we could do to solve that problem and, you know, it looked like a really interesting way to go, to, an interesting opportunity to go build a business specifically around this problem. Um, and so in 2019, I started talking to those guys about my departure. Uh, they were incredibly gracious to give me the time to, to noodle around on this idea on my weekends and free time um, and, and kind of figure it out. And then I left in 2020. I helped recruit my replacement Um, and spent a lot of time training him up and actually even post-departure spent a lot of time just being, you know, really helpful in that transition Um, because, you know, the Stamps team was so good to me in in letting me explore these things while still, you know, doing my full-time work for them. Um, So I left uh, July 2020 to go full-time to build this, right, you know, kind of right at the beginning of that whole COVID crisis Mm -hmm. um, and just saw, you know, thought this was too good an opportunity to pass up to, to go build something that would really help small business owners um and that would be a, a fun business to go build um we started raising money in um i guess q1 of 2021 we did a small round to really go build their mvp uh that went real well last year and then we, we did another raise earlier this year um and now we're really just rocking and rolling and and um, proving out to go to market and enhancing product and that sort of thing
1: now are the loans coming from on-ramp or is are you sourcing them out
2: we we work with a, a a creditor part. We have, we have, we have credit partners um, who are funding uh, on ramp is the brand. And then we have a, a lending entity um, that that does all the loans to the, to the merchants, but the merchant really works with on ramp, right? So the, the on ramp interface is where they operate. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working with our support and sales teams. Um, right. We manage the payments on behalf of that lender. Um, so it really is our relationship that drives it.
1: And you, you must have competitors. Yeah. What makes on ramp different would be a, a great choice for somebody who's looking for some short-term capital.
2: Yeah, I, I think probably the number one thing, like look, I think there are kind of three categories of competitors. There's just traditional banking credit cards, which you know are are, are we talked about earlier, right? They're mm-hmm. they're associated with you as a person. And so they're they're limited to your personal borrowing capacity, not what the business is doing. And, and because they're using traditional underwriting means and they don't have data visibility into what's happening day to day, you know, their, their indicators of your capacity are 6 to 12 to 24 months behind schedule, whereas ours are real time today. Um, we then have, you know, kind of your brokers who are running out, running around out there um, maybe your traditional kind of retail like hey retail inventory financing where they give you half the wholesale value well the the reason for that right was they couldn't control for shrinkage they didn't know where the inventory was they didn't know when a unit was sold or how frequently it was happening because they just couldn't see in, inside of a you know a 50 store chain and then you have the technology enabled guys like on-ramp right and i think um we do a much better job and i, I mean we as you know, all the technology enabled guys, but I will say, I think one of the things that makes us unique versus the others is, you know, at least when I look around at my competitors, I see more competitors who really have a wall street finance background, um, but very few that have an e-commerce background. And so I didn't come to this as a finance guy. I came to this as a software operator and an early stage guy who's helped build companies um, in you know software for small e-commerce businesses in the shipping world, at Shipping Easy. Before that, I was in the identity theft world. Before that, in 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 you know broadband. So you know a lot of different experiences. Um, and what I what we built at on ramp was how do we purpose build a lending solution, a financing solution for the e-commerce SMB from the bottom up, understanding every aspect of supply chain, inventory turnover, supply chain turnover, sales turnover. Um, how do you, you know, ship products? What does a warehouse run and how does that work? Right. Um, because of the 10 years that, that I spent in this space. And then, you know, our team here, everybody here at OnRamp has had e-commerce experience, either running their own e-commerce businesses as, as retailers or building software tools, supporting those retailers. And so we really just think about things from an operating capacity first. And then what we figured out is how do you then provide the financing tools around that? Um, and then have brought in the financing expertise to help us with that. So I, I just think you know that being purpose built for e-commerce from the ground up, with that focus first, just makes us much more aligned with the e-commerce small business owner versus um, you know versus working with um, you know somebody who's really just focused on things from a, a finance perspective.
1: And quickly, who who would be your target customer? Small business. Owner who needs short-term cash?
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we 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 work with um again, I think our target customers are really small business merchants selling on Amazon, Shopify, Big Commerce, WooCommerce, Squarespace, others like that. Uh less than say 10 million in revenue, but maybe bigger than that. Um, who Wait, what's are, the minimum? ah uh, gosh we have a product where if you have $7,500 in trailing 30, 30 days revenue, we will we can actually make you an early offer and try to help you kind of take your first steps. We call it Launchpad. So we go very small uh, and then we go to the bigger merchants as well. And then, you know, our, our belief in this, right, is, you know, in the e-commerce world, in software world, right, you think about customer churn. We know that there are a few reasons for churn. One is, unfortunately, the business goes out of business. Um, two, in our world, the business graduates from us. And in fact, when that happens, I, I, I view that as graduation as something to celebrate. It, it, it does mean we've lost a customer, but really what it means is we've helped that business get to the next stage of their business evolution, where now they can work with the bank and they're probably bringing a CFO in and they're going to be able to you know further optimize what, what we can't optimize for them anymore. And that's okay, right? Because we've been a part of that journey and we've helped them become successful.
1: And how can an interested listener find out more about you and, and OnRamp?
2: Yeah, just uh, come to onrampfunds.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, right? Where, wherever you are, uh, there's an OnRamp Funds page and all those places. Um, and then if you've got questions, you know we've got answers on our website and we're more than happy to get on the phone with you and answer questions as well.
1: Well, this has been great. Is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap it up today?
2: No, Andy, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate the chance. I really like the questions and uh, it's just an honor to be here. So thank you for inviting me.
1: Great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information connecting with Eric or on Ramp, you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our all-new podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information. In case you would like more information at any of the services, I have discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode.
0: This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast.